Final hour of the Fan Morning Show on a Friday. Vibes are high. Training camps underway in the NFL. We're almost there. We're almost there to sit on our couches every weekend and be slugs. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I Slug cannot mode wait. on a Sunday. Oh. It's just nothing better. It's within our grasp. It's within reach. It's there. It's. I can just smell the wings cooking in my new air fryer. Get, oh, getting ready. Breaking news. You got an air fryer. I got one at Christmas. Where were you? I thought you were complaining recently about not having it. No, I got one at Christmas, and I've certainly talked about it on the show about air frying. So thanks for always listening and supporting. Okay. Well, I can't, you know, I don't have a catalog up top here. Okay, speaking of Forget wings. some things. Chicken wings. Our Insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Ty Dunn, national NFL writer and founder of GoLongTD.com. I saw an article yesterday, and I brought it up on the show, that said that the Bills fans are the smartest fans in the league. What say you? Ooh, well, I, <laughs> I live here, so I have to agree. Yeah. Otherwise, friends and family are going to give me hell. I will say, they are getting much smarter. I, I sense a shift in... Uh, and the uh, blind allegiance to Sean McDermott, a coach who just cannot seem to get this team over the hump. I think fans are getting smarter and realizing, oh. no, it's okay to demand more. You know, yeah, there was that 17-year playoff drought, and it was really, really bad before Sean McDermott arrived. But it's okay to demand more when you've got the Super Bowl window, and I, I sense that fans are demanding more. So, yes, I think they are getting pretty smart around here. Okay. Um, I love that. Is that one of the major storylines? So I know uh, day two of training camp at, at the Bills um, was underway yesterday. Now we're moving forward. Um, things to watch. Is it hot seats? Is it players and coaches that really have to perform this upcoming season that have all eyes and all attention on them? Well, it gave him and, and Brandon Bean extensions. It was kind of mm. kind of strange. I think that there really wasn't a need to. Uh, I believe they had two years left on the deal, or at least Sean did. Uh, but now they're kind of aligned, and gosh, they're, they're contractually bound through 2027. So I think it, it is kind of an extension of what we're talking about, how bad it was before with Rex Ryan and every coach, every quarterback who preceded this current regime. But regardless of the contract situation, the seats should at least be simmering a little bit because look around the AFC. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. It seems like the Bengals dodged a bullet with Joe Burrow. You know, it, the latest we saw, it's a calf injury. So he's still in the mix. And you've got teams like the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the, the Chargers. I mean, there's contenders all over the place. The Ravens, the Steelers never go anywhere. So, yeah, they weren't really able to go hand out a bunch of blank checks. They haven't really drafted particularly well, Buffalo that is. And Josh Allen isn't going to be able to play the way Josh Allen does forever. And and I think you want him to play that way, right? That's what makes him special. That's what makes him different. You want him running around and, and doing Herculean type mm. of stuff. Um, so I don't. I, I think they, they're still a Super Bowl contender, obviously. But the time is is ticking. They they need to take advantage of this. I think Stephon Diggs is weird minicamp mm. and. Whatever happened between him and McDermott now behind the scenes is just another sign that urgency should be high around here. Okay, so let's just wrap up this Diggs thing because obviously you're there, you're hearing, you're you're sifting through hopefully all the drama. Uh, it, it seems like water under the bridge, but do we know what the main issue was? If you want to put Sparks notes on it, like this happened, now we're moving forward. Nobody really wants to say. <laughs> I mean, he... They, they had a, quite a PR disaster 
uh, back in mini camp. So it was uh, the, the the PR was on point day one of training camp in that you know Steph actually had a press conference and mm-hmm. uh, shot down all the different theories that are out there, whether it's his role in the offense, whether it's his amount of targets, his relationship with the coach, the quarterback, and just said they're going to keep it all in-house. So I would just be kind of tapping into the various rumors I've heard. You hear stuff. Uh, but in terms of substantive, this is why he was so pissed off. I don't know. Um, I think more than anything, he is frustrated by how these seasons keep ending in terms of, gosh, the AFC. Well, he wasn't around for the Texans comeback win against Buffalo, but then the AFC championship loss and then 13 seconds in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. And then the Cincinnati Bengals no show. I, I just think it kind of boiled over and, yeah, and, and until they get back to that moment, um, I th- I, nothing else really matters, right? I mean, I, I don't think what they do in the regular season, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get to the playoffs. It, but what happens in that playoff moment again? Is, is McDermott going to punt this team season away? Are they going to get gassed on defense like they did in, in so many of these key moments? It, it's really on the head coach because now there's no secret. We know he's calling the plays. They – gently pushed Leslie Frazier out the door. That's another weird situation that was, wasn't exactly clear what happened. I'm not so sure it's as uh, clean and cut as they made it seem to be, uh, but Hey, it's, it's all in McDermott. And, and so yeah, his pretty full circle. His seat should be hot. So pretty un- unbelievable scenes at training camp with Tamar Hamlin returning to the field, uh, expected to be able to participate in full. Uh, just, you know, it's not often that we see uh, pretty clear uh, comeback player of the year before the season even starts, uh, but that's the situation, and that situation is definitely warranted. Uh, when you reflect back on that at training camp, seeing this all go down, is it still sort of stopping the tracks that uh, this is possible? It is crazy. I mean, I was in Cincinnati uh, for that game, and, and I, I think everybody that was there in person, everybody who saw it on TV, Monday Night Football, it, we didn't know how we could even process the sport itself in our minds, right? Like, if, if this sport can do this to a human being, how in the hell can it be so central to all of our lives? And, and nobody knew if he was going to survive. I mean, it's, it's been so long, and, and DeMar Hamlin's kind of been on this world tour you know, seeing every celebrity, it seems that we tend to forget just how his life was just hanging in the balance that night. And you're right. I think it is good to kind of take a beat and, and put this all in perspective that the fact he's even on a practice field is unbelievable. And look, nothing will be guaranteed that, you know, he's not going to be a starter. He was a fine backup. He, he's going to have to earn his spot. Now, I don't think they're going to cut DeMar Hamlin. Worst comes to worst. Maybe they try to get him onto the practice squad at one point or keep him around as a reserve, but you want him in your locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're the bills, if you're any other team, I think what he went through that perspective alone has got to be worth something. And you could just feel it. I mean, and, and, and seeing him out there in OTAs, minicamp training camp, the fact that he is a part of this team and just seeing him, I think all those players who saw his life hanging in the balance and saw the training staff literally resuscitating him, pumping life back into his body. When those same players see him on a practice field, it, um, you know, I think it is going to keep everything in perspective all the time. 
I know you sat down with Naheem Hines um, and you were having wings, which is, uh, you know, just the way it goes. Um, and then obviously he had that unfortunate jet skiing accident um, going to be out for the season. Uh, wh- what type of person are the Bills going to be missing on and off the field uh, with Naheem Hines uh, sideline for the year? Yeah, I think this was the player that uh, qu- quietly behind the scenes was really working toward a massive role this season. They've got other backs. They'll be okay. Damian Harris is a, is a fine two-down back. This had a lot of success against Buffalo himself. Now, now he's replacing Devin Singletary. He drafted James Cook in the second round. Latavius Murray's. You've got you've got guys, and they they signed. Um, I think Darrington Evans as well. But but by Naeem Hines, I mean this is somebody who can do a little bit of everything. I, I think that they were going to utilize him in the run game with some of their wide zone stuff and counters. But as a receiver, I mean, he's caught 60, 70 balls in the season before. You saw what he did as a returner in that first game back um, post DeMar Hamlin's, you know, it, un, unbelievable survival. Uh, he was the one that won you the game against the Patriots. So I think that they were going to unleash him in a lot of different ways. And we sat down, got into it all. He was eager for that role. Mm. I think his perspective is pretty remarkable when, you know, he's, as he said, literally seen his mother wither away. She has muscular dystrophy. His uncle has it. His grandmother died from it. It's talk about perspective. Uh, it, it's pretty horrifying to just play a football season, come home and, and not even recognize your mom because she's losing muscle mass. Uh, I think all of this kind of wrapped into one was why Naeem Hines entered this season with, some pretty rare urgency himself. Like he, he knows the value of every day and now he is not going to be able to play at least for this season. And who knows where his career goes from here. Um, I I think it is a a pretty big loss. It's one of those losses that it might not seem like a lot at first because you think, ah, they got these other backs. He didn't do much last year, but for the offense to kind of evolve and innovate and take a step without signing any really big name guys, he was that, potentially big name that could add a layer of uh, innovation to your, to your offense if you're Ken Dorsey. So I saw that since it's a non-football injury that his salary either will just fully get wiped away or, or they're trying to debate that. Uh, what's the situation in terms of his financial um, compensation that the Buffalo Bills will or will not give him? Because that's a, that's a very important part, especially when you mentioned the family dynamic and everything that he has um, off the field as well. Do you know an update on, on how they're going to proceed with that? So glad you asked that question. I mean, this is one of those, uh, really a, a big part of pro football that nobody really talks about when these guys suffer injuries and it doesn't involve football. Yeah. They, the teams, they don't have to pay anything. And if they don't want to, they can just, you know, say tough, tough, you know what? And, and mm. let that player suffer. Uh, and it's very case by case. It's very team by team. It's very relationship based. If you're a team that values strong relationships with your players, of course, but also with agents, um, then I think it does behoove you to pay that player. And if, if we're taking this story as it was told to us, Naeem Hines was just sitting on his jet ski and another jet ski bashed into him. Now, he is a thrill seeker. We talked about it in, in the story you referenced, you know, snowboarding and wake surfing and climbing mountains. But he, he even said it's kind of eerie listening back. He said back in June, look, I, I'm taking it easy now because this is too too big of a season for me. I'm really not doing anything crazy and then this happens so yeah I I think the Bills and his representation are discussing this probably as we speak 
I heard that they were actually meeting yesterday. So maybe some news will come out soon. I mean, obviously, Naeem Hines wants to get paid, and obviously the Bills want to try to save a buck. You know, they just let a valuable member of the organization go, basically the, the de facto team president, Ron Rekula, and they didn't replace him. So that might be a hint that, okay, they're trying to save a little bit of a, a little bit of money. Um, you, you, I think that you know, whether it's the Bills or any team, if you try to get cheap with your players and they go through something like this and they're already devastated, it's going to send a bad message in the locker room. So they, they better tread carefully. Yeah, not a great look either league-wide. It might be kind of the standard, but uh, this game is about you know relationships and uh, optics, and it doesn't necessarily look all that great on the Bills uh, if they didn't want to spend or at least help Naheem Himes out uh, whatsoever. Okay, let's go around the league just a little bit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers restructures his deal. Does he deserve like Humanitarian of the Year award? Like what happened there exactly with uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, doing what I guess he's been reluctant to do in the past, which is kind of help out the franchise that he plays for, uh, uh, make sure it gets talent around it. Uh, did he do something that's a little un Aaron Rodgers like uh, by restructuring his deal? Yeah, I, I'd say so. After you know gripping Brian Gutekunst by you know the neck and kind of dragging him over the coals these last few years, this is a quite a departure from the way he's conducted his business personally with his contract. I mean, out of I think it did kind of draw some frustration out of the Packers, where your quarterback is you know, going on the national airwaves and complaining about not having this player or that player and wanting veterans and privately, publicly making that clear. And then, you know, on the other side of his mouth, he's demanding every penny he can possibly get, which is his right. I mean, he was a four-time MVP. You want to maximize your worth while you can, um, but you can't have it both ways. And so this could be a way that he is one last time sticking it to Green Bay. It wouldn't surprise me knowing his personality, how he's wired. And, you know, I tend to think this is going to end poorly and the Jets will finish in last in the division and he's 39. And if you're not Tom Brady, you just aren't the same quarterback as you age like this. Um, but th- this is a different personality we're talking about. He, he could go full heel and really want to stick it to Green Bay on the field with this new team. And maybe this money does open up the, the, the wallet so they can go sign a few more players. And maybe he's got one more good season in him. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case when you've got a 38-year-old tackle and another tackle hasn't played in two years. Like, I don't care if you sign Dalvin Cook. I mean, it, the, the line is kind of a mess right now. Um, but, hey, you can't underestimate the power of wanting to prove people wrong, and, and that's always been central to everything Aaron Rodgers is about. Uh, indeed it has. Okay, so uh, Rodgers trying to stick it to the Packers, uh, and now Sean Payton as a Bronco trying to stick it to the Jets and Rodgers uh, Jets. Uh, that was an interesting uh, news nugget yesterday with Sean Payton just eviscerating uh, former members of the Broncos coaching staff. I feel like with Peyton, this is the ultimate boomer bust sort of scenario. Like this is all going to blow up in his face or the legend of Sean Peyton, if you want to call it that, grows just a little bit. But what did you make of his comments about Nathaniel Hackett and uh, others? And is this like his version of an impassioned defense of Russell Wilson? Yeah, he's kind of standing by his, his quarterback, which we'll see how long that lasts because if Russell Wilson stinks again, there's a reason they signed Jarrett Stidham and they'll just plug him in in October. They gave him a decent amount of money as a backup. So I, I, I do think there's some of that at play to your last point. Number one, I love the honesty. I mean, how often do we just hear these coaches and GMs and players stand at a podium 
and just say a hell of a lot of nothing. I mean, usually it's just a bunch of word salads this time of year, and you know, it fills up all the airwaves, and we're just basically making stuff up. I, I just love the, the honesty, and I think he is being honest. I mean, he's just saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett and his offense were, were, were an unmitigated disaster. I mean, it's 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 a shock that we weren't that we're standing here and sitting here talking about the Broncos and and not you know in a coma being exposed to their football as much as we were on primetime television last year. It was awful. It was awful. So he's right. It is weird, though, that he kind of threw the GM and the current ownership under the bus, too. Uh, and nobody's really talking about that. He was criticizing the Broncos as well. It, it all put, points the finger uh, back at Sean Payton for this year, though. That, that's why I don't really have a problem with it, because you know, he's the one now that is – going to be held accountable i mean he'll face all scrutiny if this doesn't work out it's on sean payton he's not hiding from any of that and uh like i said honesty yay sign me up for an any day of the week okay we love uh, any preseason narratives that help us at week five that matchup will be absolutely electric uh, we're talking to tyler dunn national nfl writer and founder of golongtd.com have you been watching the netflix uh series quarterback you know, I, I'm ashamed to admit what I have are not. What you doing? Because, uh, we're, we're, You're too busy you know working. What? Because we're, we're, we're late to the party on Succession. So yeah. if we're fitting TV time and we're watching Succession. <laughs> I accept that. That's fine. Finish Succession and then we'll chat. But um, we've just been seeing that some quarterbacks like don't want to participate in it this upcoming season. A couple have already said they don't want to. Um, if you were to choose a quarterback, it's it's pretty like it's pretty intrusive. You follow them around their house. You're up in their business. You go game to game with them. It's a full uh, expose of their life. Is there a quarterback that you would love to see do that? And is that Josh Allen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I assume that the Zach Wilson version would have to run on HBO max. We wouldn't get that on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) That might be, maybe that's even a little too risque for HBO. Um, you know, you know what would be interesting is, gosh, I'd I'd say Aaron Rodgers, but mm. it has to be the unsanitized. Yes. Just you know, he, he can't have editorial control, and, and it, it almost have to be like hidden cameras. Mm. So let's see what Aaron Rodgers is really like behind the scenes. But he can't really have a say in crafting a narrative, which is very, very central to his motivation. So I want to know, like, what is he really saying to teammates? Really saying to coaches? Really saying the family, well, he's not talking to his family, so don't, we, we, don't, we don't get that aspect of it all. <laughs> I really, I'd love to get some authenticity out of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that would be interesting. Maybe HBO Max uh, worthy as well. Uh, okay, so um, we've been talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals eyeing each other up for some time here for a couple seasons now. Uh, we've been talking about sort of the AFC and where everything lands Based on what we saw this offseason, based on what we've seen here in the very few days of training camp, like how would you order them? How would you sort of assess what they've done to improve? Like when these three powers are butting heads continuously, like who's sort of in an advantageous position out of those three for you entering the 2023 season? I think Orlando Brown does swing a little power over to Cincinnati, stealing him from Kansas City at at a premium rate. Let's see what's up with Joe Burrow's health. Um, you know, I think all three teams are going to be in the mix. It's hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I know, I know that's a simple answer, but we just if he's going to lead his team to a Super Bowl on one good leg, what is he going to be able to do if he's actually healthy in that moment? 
But I'll, I'm going to throw a fourth team into the mix. I, I love the Miami Dolphins this season, and uh, that this could come back to, to haunt me or anybody who buys stock in this team because it's all it all hinges on Tua Tungabayola's health. You know, one more concussion, and who knows, his career could, could be over, and he suffered other injuries too. But you look at, like, their 12 or 13 best players, and they've got probably the most talented team in the NFL. Both sides of the ball just loaded with five-star dudes that are, are a problem. I mean, we know, we know what they have on offense, obviously, with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua, um, a, a, an offensive line that's improved a lot and one of the best play designers in football, Mike McDaniel, I think they'll find their counterpunch. But, but now you've got Sig Bangio on defense as your defensive coordinator. You know, they're not going to have Jalen Ramsey for a bit with his meniscus. But even, even that, Bradley Chubb, um, Xavier Howard, uh, they, they, I think they signed David Long. They've got a, Christian Wilkins. They've got a lot of players that, if you're an offensive coach, you are talking about as your game plan. And, and I, I don't think... Buffalo can really say that, you know, Kansas city, if their young guys, you know, can grow up quickly, they played well in the playoffs in the secondary and in and, and Cincinnati, you know, they lost a few more in free agency. Miami might have the best defense out of those four teams. And so, yes, if, if, if huge, if, if Tua can stay healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami gets to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think we're willing to accept a fourth horse in the race for the AFC, uh, make things interesting for sure. Uh, in the AFC East. Okay, last one for you. Of course, running backs have been the uh, at the heart of the conversation here leading into training camps. We're under a week away from the first like snaps of preseason football, which is crazy to say. Uh, but there are some guys that are still looking for deals, some guys searching for money at the running back position. There's a coalition, or there was talk of a coalition. There's, above anything else, uh, some angst in the running back community. Is there any long-term solution here for making sure that these guys who might be the best athletes in the game aren't just considered somewhat disposable by their teams. You know, I think there is a glimmer of hope and maybe I'm a hopeless romantic when it comes to running backs. Cause right. We all grew up on somebody. You know? I mean, Barry Sanders and God is a young Packer fan. He had Edgar Bennett, Dorsey Levins. I mean, we all can remember our favorite bat growing up. Um, but obviously the, the position is what it is now. Um, yeah, I'm sure you've gotten into all the metrics of it. It's, it's kind of remarkable that they're paid less with the franchise tag than they were five years ago as every other position skyrockets. I, I do think, though, you know, the NFL is all about evolution in terms of play calling, and I think that next evolution could be just running the ball down a team's throat. You look around the NFL, a lot of 220-pound linebackers, a lot of linebackers, you know, trained psychologically to defend RPOs, so they're kind of thinking a little bit and backpedaling off the snap. Um, you know, even up front on the defensive line with the wide zone blocking scheme, I think a lot of these D linemen are kind of trained to bear hug offensive linemen and just kind of shuffle down the line to claw gaps. So if you're an offensive coach, hell, just treat it like it's 1994 and hit the gas. Like, just send your running back on a simple power play upfield. And look, we saw Atlanta draft Deshaun Robinson. We saw Detroit draft Jameer Gibbs. These are players you can kind of line up all over as well and unleash them at some pretty you know, unorthodox angles within your scheme. You add it all up, and I think if the running backs do kind of take back the NFL, prove they're valuable, and a team wins a Super Bowl with a running back that's central to it all, not an Isaiah Pacheco who's a seventh-round pick, uh, maybe that player does get paid. 
paid. And then it's going to take, okay, you paid that player, and then you were able to keep winning. Only then, I think, does this really change. But it, it, it could, but those, that's a lot of uh, dots to connect as well. All right, NFL training camps underway. Excitement in the air. Uh, great to chat some football with you, Ty. Uh, we will definitely catch up with you when the season's about to start. Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy this weekend. Hey, thanks so much. Any day, any time. And we're going to have a, a bunch of season preview stories up at golongtd.com if people want to check them out this Perfect. Month. We'll definitely share that with the listeners. Uh, appreciate you jumping on, and we'll chat soon. Thanks. That's Ty Dunn. National NFL writer and founder at golongtd.com, where you can find all those previews. And I really like the uh, sit down with Daeem Hines that he did there as well. Um, this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. I'm getting there. I'm getting there on football. Yeah. I'm getting there. I go, I go through like the same emotions where it's like, I'm not ready because you know what that means. Summer's over. And then when you get close enough, it's like, okay, <laughs> let's go. Like I cannot do another weekend without it. But I'm ready now, I think. Yeah, previews will be fun. Start going around uh, the divisions, looking at whose stock is up, who's down, hot seats, players of intrigue. It's going to be, and, and hard knocks is coming out sometime soon. You love hard knocks. I can, I've I liked never, it because I've of the Lions. The Lions last Did you, year. You watched it, Yeah, right? like yeah. just, it, there was so much good viral stuff from that. That team was lovable. I don't think we're going to get the same situation this time, but we might get some good drama. We may. We're already getting good drama with Sean Payton ripping. Yeah, they might have to. Apart, they might have to take a, a detour it. to Denver uh, to make sure they get uh, both sides of the story. Yep. Okay. Lots to look through. Um, training camp underway. Some injuries, but it looks like Joe Burrow might be all right. Fingers crossed on that one because that would be a blow to the start of the season. Um, all right, we got one more guest left on our Friday morning. Heidi Watney is going to join us on the other side of the break. Sideline reporter uh, for Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV+. Plus. They're in town tonight for the Angels and the Ra- oh, no, Angels and the Jays starting their three-game series. Uh, probable starters, we got Lucas Giolito, Kevin Gosman, and of course that is an Apple TV Plus game, which means, but we'll still have it here on Sportsnet 590. The fan is streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590. We chatted with Madison Shipman. She'll have the call with Ben Shulman this weekend. Lots of great baseball ahead. So let's chat with Heidi Watney after the break on the Fan Morning Show at Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 Fan, Justin Nalish. Final block from us in a little bit. Woo. It's almost like we just got back. Of course, we were on uh, afternoons a little bit in July. Some vacation ahead for us, but uh, you're always in safe hands here on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. It's a big night. It was bigger at one point. When Shohei Otani was supposed to start in Toronto, but a big one. (laughs) Nonetheless, tonight on Apple TV, Heidi Watney will be the sideline reporter for Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV tonight at Rogers Center. And she joins us this morning. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, We're doing pretty good. I assume you're already in Toronto. Are you... Uh, what, uh, do you have a spot in Toronto? Are you excited to be back in Toronto? What's the vibe coming up here for Apple TV in Toronto on a Friday night? 
Well, you know, I am excited to be back in Toronto. And I was thinking as I arrived yesterday, I don't think I've been here for quite a few years since maybe the 2016 postseason with the Jays. It's been a while. It's been a while. So it's it's great to be back. Well, you're going to see the new renovated Rogers Center. Uh, It is absolutely beautiful. There's lots of areas where the fans get up close and personal and scream at the uh, position. So you get to get a little sideline view of that. (laughs) But it's a a beautiful spot. We're glad to have you back. Um, And tonight's going to be one hell of a game, uh, one hell of a weekend here with the Angels in town. But you get to go all over uh, the country um, of the United States and now up to Canada. But when you visit it the, the the team with only one Canadian team, right? There's a whole country behind us. Like there's a whole squad cheering for one team. It's a pretty unique scenario. It's a unique situation for us up here. And I guess it probably adds to the experience uh, covering it and learning about just the Canadian fan base. How cool is it and unique is it to come up and see Canada's team? Yeah. Well, that's one of the great things about uh, covering the team in the postseason. I, and I've covered the team from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, I was the Red Sox sideline reporter for a while. So I came every time Boston came into town. And there was always great crowds here then as well. But when you're here in the postseason covering the Blue Jays, or when you're here, and this is what I expect tonight, with a team fully in the wild card race and fully in contention, these fans are really great up here in Toronto. And it's fun to see. I've also seen it from the perspective of going to watch them in Seattle, where you know, a bunch of the West Coast Canadian fans come down and cheer on their team, which is really uh, unique as well. So I, that's one of the great things about being Canada's baseball team. They really have a lot of support here with the Blue Jays. And, and I would say the Blue Jays kind of lucked out in missing out on Shohei Otani because a, a one-hit shutout and then two home runs in the second game of uh, – Doubleheader sweep in Detroit. Um, hey, I mean, Lucas Giolito could deal in his Angels debut tonight, but Blue Jays might have dodged a bullet there and missing Shohei Otani. Yeah, we've been a little conflicted because clearly the Toronto Blue Jays have to win baseball games. They have to win baseball series. But uh, we were talking about it in the first block of today's show. I mean, if we're talking about athletes that are going to come through this city and perform, Shohei Otani might be number one on the list. And I get being the DH and and, uh, taking some hacks is definitely appealing. The entire package of what he did yesterday is what you really want to see if you're going to pay the exorbitant amounts that people did pay uh, in order to be in the building Friday night. Uh, you know, we're still reeling a little bit because of the non-start from Shohei. Are you guys, I'm sure, a little disappointed that Shohei Otani is not going to be on the bump tonight? <laughs> yeah, our group thread wasn't too happy uh, when we found out Wednesday about the change. We had actually just had our morning production meeting, and, you know, a lot of it centered around Shohei starting the game and the trade deadline and all of that because we have our uh, production meeting Wednesday morning just to kind of set the stage for everyone traveling and coming here. And then the news that Shohei is not getting traded for sure, although we always kind of assumed that on our crew, just with the inside information that we get that the Angels really wanted to hang on to him. And then we find out that he's not starting the game, and yeah, nobody was, was really happy with that news. But I, I love Lucas Giolito as a player, I think, that going back to, he's from Southern California, so going to Anaheim for him is probably going to be a shot in the arm. And going into a pennant race, um, I mean, you know, the Angels are a little further back, but hey, they're all in. They're going for it. They're getting Mike Trout back in a couple of weeks. You know, Mike Trout is hungry and super stoked that the team has decided to go for it and keeping Shohei and, and the whole thing. So there's some good vibes around this Angels team as they roll into town. And they're about to start a really tough stretch here, starting with the Blue Jays. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. 
Can they keep pace? Can they keep building on this momentum until they get Mike Trout back? Yeah, it certainly seemed like there was a lot of momentum, even though in a one-day switch, um, Shohei always delivers. But to do what he did in back-to-back games from a pitching standpoint and a hitting perspective, it almost felt like, hey, we have the buy-in now. There's no more drama around, am I getting traded? Am I not getting traded? The organization believes in us. Do you think that's a, it's a real tangible thing that can give this team a boost, whether they add even more, which they might do that anyway, um, just how much of a, a confidence boost that might be in that locker room and for Shohei to kind of quiet the noise now and be an angel for the rest of the season? A thousand percent. First of all, I don't think the Angels are done. I think they're they're pushing all their chips in right now. I mean, they traded their, their two and three prospects, and basically their number one prospect is Logan O'Hoppy, and he's and he's hurt right now, but he's in the majors. So, um, yeah, they're going all in this year. And you know, it's reminiscent of of what we saw in 2021 from the Braves. If you remember, Ronald Acuna Jr. went down. He's by far their best player. He's the NL front runner for MVP this year. He went down, and the Braves had been, you know, kind of a 500-ish, but below 500 team to that point anyway. And it was really deflating for the team. And then Alex Anthopoulos went out and traded for a whole new outfield. He brought in Jacques Peterson and Jorge Soler and Eddie Rosario. And and they went on a run and ended up winning the World Series in 2021. I don't think they reached 500 until August, that team. So that that's kind of what was we look like we're seeing from the Angels, but a different perspective because they have superstars in Otani and Trout, and Trout's hurt right now, but reports are good on his progress, and they're saying maybe two weeks. It's a little optimistic, but you know, within a few weeks, he'll be back in the lineup too. And you know this is going to be a shot in the arm for the team, and can they ride that adrenaline? Can they get Anthony Rendon back? Are they going to trade for – you know, another uh, they they brought in Escobar and Mustakis, and they certainly can be a good stopgap. But I don't expect that the Angels are done. Um, a big question mark on their team is the health of Anthony Rendon, who seems like his injury, his bone bruise, is worse than they thought originally. So, um, you know, they're a fun team. I've covered the Blue Jays and the Angels in person this year quite a bit. They're both really fun teams. They've got a lot of energy. They've got a lot of great offense. And I think both of these teams could really go on a run and make some noise in October. Yeah, you'd love to see the Angels make something of the season, make something of the tenure with Shohei Otani. It could be fleeting the time left with him. So, you know, if they go all in, if they add, if they get Trout back, they have that two-headed monster, maybe they can make something happen. And I think the entire baseball world would like to see that. But, you know, if we're on the, if we're on the topic of two-headed monsters, there's a pretty good one here in Toronto with Bo and Vlad, uh, you know, we, we are obviously hyper, hyper, hyper focused on those two. The ups and downs. Vladdy's had, you know, a bit of a forgettable season to this point, but he wins the home run derby and he's been pretty good since then. Bo has been very, very good for the bulk of this season. Just went through a little bit of a dry spell. But, you know, sort of that whole league or that league wide focus or that detached focus on the Blue Jays and these two stars in particular. What do the Blue Jays have? in Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Bo Bichette is somewhat surprisingly outside of Toronto, a quiet superstar. I mean, the guy leads the leagues in hits every year, and he's just fantastic. He's a solid player. He's got such a level head on him, and I think that's just part of his upbringing. Um, I, I think he's a stalwart on a team, and he should be a bigger superstar across all of the baseball landscape than he is. 
I don't know how he gets overshadowed being on Canada's team, but it seems like from an outsider's perspective that he does, um, he is a great, solid player. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., look, I know expectations are always going to be sky high for that guy because of who his father is, because of how he stormed onto the scene uh, as a young player. But, you know, it's interesting. A lot of player, players don't want to participate in the home run derby because they're worried it's going to mess up their swing. And some players are like, no, I think it's going to fix me. It seems to have done that for Vladdy. He's a great player, too. And he's just someone that, you know, it, they say it all the time in baseball, look at the back of the baseball card. It's going to be there. So I definitely think these guys can carry the Blue Jays' offense. Um, their pitching is pretty solid. I think they could use another right-handed bat. Um, you know, Ross Atkins says, if you're competing, you're always looking for help in the bullpen, even though they've got a pretty good bullpen as well. Um, these Blue Jays are pretty set. I mean, they're in a tough division. The AL East is historically good this year. Every single team in the AL East is in buy mode right now, even the Yankees and Red Sox, who honestly, according to their standards, probably shouldn't be. Um, and maybe we'll more just stay path than anything else. But you wouldn't be surprised if they went out and made a move to improve as well. So um, they're in a tough division, but I, I definitely think I love the Blue Jays. I mean, 90-plus wins the past two years. They're rolling again this year. Uh, I, I really expect good things from them. Yeah, that's been the reality of the Blue Jays' season. It's been very, I just say very, very good. It's been pretty good, though. And this team has the ability to improve and go for it. They're in a great position as we speak. But it does feel like there are maybe outside circumstances, one being the division, that are maybe holding people back or have people holding on to some reservations about this season. But, yeah, it's going to be a big, uh, you know, these next couple days are big before the deadline. They can certainly make additions pretty much anywhere and improve their team. So we shall see what happens this weekend, of course, before the deadline with the Blue Jays. Now, Heidi, you got a pretty good gig. You get to go around different ballparks, interview different players. It's pretty sweet. So when you look around the league right now, when you look back on the work you've done this year, who is your favorite player in Major League Baseball right now to interview? Oh, gosh. Favorite player in Major League <laughs> Baseball. Uh, to interview, that's a good, that's a good caveat there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a really tough one. I was just talking to my son about that the other day. He said, um, my son said his favorite player is Shohei Otani. I don't know who my favorite player is. And I was trying to think, and I'm like, I love so many different players. That's the best part about my job. I'm not trying to just be a fence straddle here, but... The best part about my job is I get to talk to players. I get to tell their mm -hmm. stories. I get to try to get them to kind of open up to the world and show inside who they are and what they're thinking and what their thought process is and what they're going through, the emotions of the game. Um, gosh, I interviewed one photo for the Padres winning in our game last week, and he was fantastic. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. is always interesting. I get to talk to Vladdy pregame tonight. I'm really looking forward to that. He's such a smart baseball player, and when you really get one-on-one -on -one with him and get to sit down and chat with him, he's so great. Um, favorite baseball player to talk to, that's a really, really hard one. There's so many great ones. How about I, I your can't pick. How about your favorite interview you've done so far this year? We just saw you talk to Adley Rutschman. That seems like that's a pretty good guy mm -hmm. to, to chat with. <laughs> he was great. Adley was getting ready for the home run derby. I think he was kind of wide-eyed and going into it like, what am I doing? This is going to be so much fun. Having his dad pitch to him, it's such a great story. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. We did a great sit-down with 
Carlos Gray and Byron Buxton together with the Twins, and those guys are the you know the two faces of the franchise, and that was really interesting to see them play off each other and to see how much of a brotherhood they've formed. I had a great interview with Mike Trout earlier this year and just talked about how hungry he is to win and get to the postseason, talking about the WBC experience, striking out against his teammate Shohei Otani. He's always a great guy to talk to because he's such a smart baseball player. Um, he's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of really great interviews. It's your friend Cisco Lindor just talked to him with the Mets. And, I mean, the Mets, gosh, what a what a disaster this year. That's mm-hmm. been uh, with that roster and that talent on that team and the money that they spent. Oh, that's, that's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of really, really fun interviews and some great. Bryce Harper, well, how am I forgetting Bryce Harper? <laughs> he is one of my favorite players there to talk to. He is so open with with sharing you know his process and what he's going through and he and of course the superstar of the game he's one of my favorites Oh, I do want to ask you about the Orioles um, now that we're speaking about Lee Rushman because uh, they're a team the Jays have been chasing um, now for a little bit and maybe one that I kind of sometimes wish that we were like, like the qualities and the makeup that the Jays thought that we would be down the road. The Orioles have kind of surpassed. Um, they've been com- kind of fun and young to watch and now are a powerhouse and the Blue Jays face them uh, in their next series here starting Monday. So that team, uh, the story that they've had this season now uh, kind of jumping over everybody in the AL East and being uh, the team to watch and the team to beat. Yeah, the Orioles are a really fun team, really young team. Brandon Hyde has them just just absolutely rolling. And that's kind of one of the things you can get with young teams is just they they get a few wins, they get some momentum under their belt, and then they just are unstoppable. Um, they're a lot of fun. They could definitely use some pitching, but they've got Kyle Gibson uh, in that rotation, and he has a lot of experience, a lot of postseason experience too. So uh, when we saw them a couple weeks ago with Minnesota, they're going, uh, they're playing in Minnesota, and I was talking to Kyle, and he said this, this is the most fun team I've been around, and he's been around quite a few good teams. He said they just kind of feed off of each other. They're really learning from each other. They're all very hungry players, um, and then they've got that back end of the bullpen and Batista and Cano that are just a dynamic duo. I mean, they don't seem to have any glaring needs, and they're just rolling. I mean, they went into the Trop and beat the Rays recently, so uh, they're a tough team. They're going to be a tough team to contend with. And it really wasn't that long ago that they were good, um, just the same as the Blue Jays, you know, like the 14, 15 kind of range. Um, they're just they're, – they're a fun, good team to definitely watch out for. And, yeah, there's a lot of similarities with Toronto and just the younger players, the homegrown talent that's coming up and making an impact. Uh, last one for you, Heidi. Uh, we've been focused predominantly on the American League uh, for the bulk of this season, uh, looking at uh, the American League East, the race, how hotly contested it is, how difficult the path might be for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, but we should ask you about the National League. And there are some people in this city who are interested in what the Atlanta Braves are doing, as one Alex Anthopoulos has put together a pretty fabulous yeah. team out there in Atlanta. Is the chasm that big between the best team in the NL and the second best team in the NL? Because it's so tightly contested in the American League, and it really seems like the Braves are the standard out there in the National League. Yeah, they certainly have just been unstoppable all year long. They are rolling. They're not looking back. And if you look at their lineup, their roster, they just don't have a lot of holes. I guess they're starting pitching. They could use some help, and they've had a lot of injuries to their starting pitching and have somehow stayed afloat there. Um, There is. There is that, that chasm. I mean, they're the best team in the National League, and it's going to take someone taking them down 
Um, and, you know, in the postseason, you never really know. I mean, we've seen teams get in as wild cards all the way, like the Phillies did just last year. Um, but they're they're really that good. The Dodgers have been on a tear lately, though. I mean, you watch out for the Dodgers. Mm. You know at some point they're always going to get hot, and I don't think the Dodgers are done with their moves for Kike, Kike and Ahmed Rosario um, but in their infield. The Nolan Arenado rumors really intrigue me with the Dodgers. He's another SoCal guy who would love to go back home. I know it'd have to be a bigger deal, and it doesn't seem like the sides are close, but I think that's something to keep an eye on out in L.A., um, and if he were to join that already, like, star-studded roster, gosh, watch out. But, yeah, no, it definitely is that big of a difference between the Braves and everyone else in the National League. Well, we, The Reds have been fun to watch, though, huh? Yeah, and the Reds and the Dodgers tonight, I was just about to say, that's uh, the game that I'm picking um, our uh, daily bet from. That'll be a fun one. Lots of talent, lots of uh, offensive explosion, hopefully, tonight. Uh, but we really appreciate you jumping on, Heidi, this morning. Uh, enjoy your time in Toronto. Enjoy the ballpark, and Jays and Angels will be a great series, and we're glad to have you. My pleasure, my pleasure. Hey, you know, tune in Apple TV Plus tonight. The best thing about our broadcast other than me, Wayne, and Dan Slesak <laughs> back in Toronto, is the picture quality is amazing. Mm-hmm. We're going to showcase this beautiful new ballpark. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Awesome. Thanks so much, Heidi. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and uh, thanks for coming on with us. That's how you want sideline reporter for Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV. As I said, they're in town this weekend for Jays and Angels, but you can also catch our game on Sportsnet 590. The fans streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 and on the Sportsnet app, we'll have Madison Shipman and Ben Shulman doing the call this weekend for us here on the radio. Looking forward to it. Despite no Shohei on the, bound, on the mound, still an exciting night at Rogers Center to come. I teased my wake and rake pick. She brought it up perfectly, so let's do it. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right, it's going to be over in the Dodgers and Reds game. Uh, love, Are love. You expecting love fireworks? It. I am expecting some fireworks tonight. Um, so I will be betting the over. It's at nine and a half, but let's get bold and beautiful. Okay, I'm, ser- I'm searching for it a little bit. Uh, baseball picks haven't been great. Uh, golf picks haven't been great. Let's go to the CFL, the Canadian Football League. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats mm. are getting their starting quarterback back. Bo Levi Mitchell will be back under center. They also just tried to trade away one of the, or was one of the best players in the CFL in Jagarrett Davis, and it failed. But what does that say to your locker room? You just tried to trade away, and now he's back, and it's like, ugh. A bit of a weird situation. So I like the Red Blacks okay. at home. Minus one and a half. Red Blacks have a little juice after a comeback victory. Red Blacks win this one. Okay. Spread. We've got three picks on the anchor submissions. Uh, Courier Chris in Toronto says, Happy Friday. Listen, Justin, let's continue the bet. Winning streak to four. Wake and rake. Whit Merrifield over one and a half total bases. Corey from Port Hope says, oh, that Otani over seven and a half Ks yesterday was a roller coaster ride. However, of course, he ended up pulling through and cashing the over. For my wake and rake, I like Bichette over one and a half total bases. And then a no-name submission is Jays and Angels' first five innings under. Okay, with Giolito and Gosman. That one's kind of speaking my language. I like all bit. three bets. You could parlay them um, <laughs> you as could, your own. We, sh- we should just take that. Um, but no, let's pick one. I'll let you pick. I'm I'm ice cold. I'm doing Bo Bichette over one and a half bases. Um, he's got a good track record against Giolito, and he's been pretty hot, and we're back home here. Even though I love my guy, Whit Merrifield. I'll feel a little Bo action tonight. Okay, done. Bo, Levi Mitchell, Bo Bichette. But I'm fading, I'm fading one so, Bo, and yeah. we're back in the other Bo. Oh, the more important the Bo, the Bo we love, the Bo we hold 
deer. Okay, that was Brandon from Keswick who texted in to say that was him. Okay, okay so that parlay is bow over bases, Ottawa Red Blacks minus one and a half on the spread, and then over nine and a half runs in the Reds and Dodgers, plus 568. That's a good one to end the week. I like it. And to end your time here for oh, the next so little come bit. come on, come on. Justin, just being, tell everyone you're going you're on vacation. You're being hyperbolic. I'm taking a week off. I'll be back in a week. Okay, we just wanted to make sure people knew that and you didn't just fall off a cliff. I'm bringing my running shoes. You are. You just try to have a couple productive mornings. How about that? I think if you got out for a nice little stroll in the morning, you'd feel better about Not even crushing. a stroll. I might pick my feet up off the ground and wow. jog. You're going to jog? Yeah. Hey, you once uh, Maybe. One, you once crushed the beep test, so I know you can do it. Yeah, you know what? That might be the last time I ran, though. <laughs> Seriously? That might be the last time those Yikes. shoes have been worn. All right. Well, enjoy your time off. Thank you. I'll be listening. I'll be Gunner and myself on Monday morning. Yeah, you're taking half the week off, too. Well, I'll Set be back. I'll up. be here Monday morning with Gunner. Um, everybody have a wonderful weekend. Uh, enjoy Jays and Angels this weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.